Good morning. So the day will be a little bit different because it's me here. Um, but um, I pray that uh, what's done today will speak uh, to your hearts on this Palm Sunday, uh, what we've um, got planned. Um, so in the book of Job, in the book of Ezekiel, God reveals three names. Three names of three holy men. A lot of you might know these three men. Noah, Daniel, and I give it away, I already said, Job. But God specifically names these three men. But why? What, what did these three men do that made them so important that God specifically mentions them and honors them? See, they all, all three of them, suffered great hardship in their lives. But in the midst of great hardship and turmoil, they never cursed God. But they blessed God. And they honored His name even in the midst of great suffering. And so God honored these men because of that. And so today we're going to look, um, start off with one of these men. And today, the man that we're going to look at is Job. So turn your eyes to the screens as this song kind of depicts this story and brokenness of this man named Job. Tries to tie up my loose 
This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to, to Job, the first chapter. Job 1, starting in verse 1. It'll be on the screens as well. And let's read through this story. For many that have read the story of Job, you probably, of course, understand a lot of that, but I think um, it'll really let it sink into our hearts if we read through this story this morning. So Job 1, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite uh, three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. In verse 6, One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that is going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed, noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to the face. All right. You may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's house with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders 
have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. You think at this point, he's thinking, goodness gracious, maybe this, all right, let this stop. It's going to end. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. And suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief, then shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. I want us to read that again. He just got all of this news, right? And what is his first response? Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I have, and the Lord has taken away. And I love saying this next part from the King James Version just because it's how I learned it when I was younger, and I, just, I love the power in these words. He says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Crazy. In a single day, Job loses what is most dear to him in his life. He loses his family, his kids, his property, his livestock, his livelihood. Later on, if he was to keep reading, he's going he's gonna to lose his health. He's going to pretty much lose everything except die. But he understood in the midst of everything, one thing. The life is hard, but God is good. That life is hard, but God is good. He understood that he came into this world with nothing, and he will leave this world with nothing. But between the first day and the last day is what we call life. And you don't see very many hearses with a U-Haul behind them, do you? Because that's just not how things work. You don't get to work your whole life to store up a bunch of stuff on earth that you're going to take with you. And Job understood that. And Job believed and trusted in this God that we follow and that he followed. 121, let me read it again. He says, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I will return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. And let's say that together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. One more time. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. God, you might take my health. I might lose my loved ones. I might lose my job. Cancer, divorce, you name it. You know, you know it all. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That we could stand on this promise that even in the midst of our suffering, we would, we would come to know Him. I've come to learn and see so many times that it's not in the mountains in life that we grow close to Christ. It's not during the high times in life that we come to know Christ. You all know this in this room, but it's in the valleys. It's in the moments of struggle and hard times that God strengthens us and we grow close to Him. So today, 
I want you to hear a story. Today I want you to hear a testimony of a family who has had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Of a family who in the past few years in their life has had a Job moment. And there's power in seeing what God does in our suffering. Because in Revelation it says that they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And there's power in what God does in and through our lives. It's not our story, it's His story that's being manifested through our lives. And so today, I want you all to turn your eyes to the screen and listen to the story of Don and Randy Christmas. We're going to try to tell a story about our son, Eric. Uh, most of you know Eric. And uh, we're going to tell you about a real tragedy that we had in our lives. Uh, Eric was born on September 13, 1991. He was born on Friday the, 13th. Friday the 13th. We even had a doctor ask Dawn if they wanted us to delay it so it wouldn't be on Friday the 13th. And we know that... Uh, some people even ask us, we already had Emily Kay and Evan Kyle, and some people ask us, why would you want a, another child? You've got a boy and a girl, and we knew that it's God's plan for us to have another one, and uh, we're so thankful we had Eric. But Eric was an outstanding child, um, just a child that would do anything you ask him to do. Eric, um, he went to Christian Academy, Lawrenceburg. He went there from kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, pursued a, a dream of going to Western, where his sister had gone. And uh, he was got involved there with a, a, police, a little police department. Sixth floor program at Western. He started pursuing wanting to be a police officer, just like his mom. And he didn't follow the footsteps of being a firefighter. And uh, like I was. So um, Eric graduated from college and he started putting in applications and uh, getting interviews and doors kept closing. Um, we had some tell him that he was overqualified. They didn't believe he would stay at the police department. They felt like he would pursue further. And so... Um, he applied for state police. Uh, he worked for about a year in Dr. Collins' dental office. That's where he knows Bonnie from. We finally heard the news that he was going to be a state trooper. And we met on a Sunday night after church and uh, in the driveway at Emily's house. And we thank God that uh, he chose a path for him. And Jeremiah talks about how he knows the plans he has for us. And uh, we believe that was his plan, and we still do. He went through the academy very hard. Many times he came to the house for the weekend, and we thought surely he would quit and not go back, but um, that was not an option for him. After he went through the police academy, graduated, we're really excited about that. And he... He chose, uh, he, was, he was in a class that they chose by position you finish, and he was like middle of his class, so like in the 20s out of a group of about 70. And uh, 
Well, Don, you can tell them how he picked where he went in the state. He decided that uh, every a lot of the people had families that they would have to uproot and take somewhere else, and that it was just him, so he could just move himself, and that way um, he was trying to help the other people, you know, not to have to uproot and move everything and everybody to go to a different post. So he chose Mayfield Post. The one furthest away. We, we were not very happy about that. But uh, even through the tragedy that we're going to tell you about, we believe that this was God's plan. And uh, Eric went to post one, and we took him down there, and I remember telling him, son, I know it'll be awkward, but just find a church to go to. And uh, just like a good son, uh, that very next Sunday, just three days after we took him down there, he went to just pick the church, and he he found a, a church, and they fell in love with him, and he fell in love, they just fell in love with each other. Eric just became a solid trooper, and you know, we heard stories of how good he was doing, and uh, things were going good, and that's in January of 2015. And fast forward to up into June, uh, Eric came home on a Wednesday, uh, and he, uh, it was really hot that day, and I came in the house at noon, and he said, Dad, you know what we could do? And I said, no, son, it's too hot. And I go to back in the bedroom, and I told Don, I said, I should take him to play golf. That's what he wants to do. And so we did, and I look back on that story, and I'm really glad I did. We didn't spend enough time doing those kind of fun things. Don fixed a nice dinner. His brother was out on a ship uh, in the middle of the ocean. Um, he goes uh, to the eye doctor and finds out that he has a retina tear. And so uh, they decided that they had to do surgery, which made it to where he couldn't go back to work as soon as he'd hoped. So on the Friday after that Wednesday, he had surgery, and then... Um, that made it where he couldn't go back to work till Monday, so he got to stay home for Father's Day. And uh, Uncle Doug, who's a state trooper, he would tell you the story. Uh, but he, he told very nicely that we had no idea that when Eric was hugging people by on that Father's Day, that'd be the last time that he hugged everybody by. So... Um, we had Father's Day. It was wonderful. Played with a drone that Eric really loved. We took pictures of the family, and we cherish those a lot right now. And uh, on Monday, he got up, and he headed back to work. I talked to him on his way down. And uh, on Tuesday, uh, right before we went on shift around 6 p.m., uh, Dawn talked to him. I got to talk to him. Uh, he was actually polishing his brass and getting, getting his uniform ready to go to work. And before I hung up, I, I mean, we knew we were hanging up, and I said, I love you, and click. I, you know, I heard the click, and I said, well, he, we hung up too soon, because he, he usually told me he loved me. And so about the time I got home, my phone went off, and it was a text from Eric that said, I love you too. So that was uh, the week of vacation Bible school here at church, and um, I was over in Frankfurt, and when I get home, I come home to my wife and my daughter and son-in-law crying, and the whole yard, the driveway's full of state police cars. Doug Carter was there. Mike Carter. 
Mike Carnahan, Terry Cooper, Jeff Eaton. I knew something wasn't right, and the way Dawn was laying, I thought something was wrong with her. And they told me that at about 7.30 local time, 6, 6.30 or so central time, Eric had been in a car accident, and he was killed instantly. I flailed on the ground and cried and just didn't know what to do, just just tremendous amount of pain. I was so glad that Mike Carnahan was there. He knew, he knew how I felt. There's also people in this church that know how we feel. There's people in this church that have had much worse things happen than what we have, and we know that. But uh, in the days to follow, we had to plan a funeral for our son. We had it right here at Nineveh. Little neat things, we had to pick out songs uh, for the funeral. And uh, we went through several different songs, and one of them uh, was this is not my home. This is not where I belong. And what? fast forward to several months later, Donna opens one of Eric's Bibles at home that had been laying there for maybe a year. He had another Bible he was using. And in that Bible was a copy of that song. Just one of those little things that we knew it was meant to be what happened. The funeral was a beautiful sight. Nineveh helped us have a, a wonderful funeral that uh, Eric was a historian. He would have loved it. He would have loved the cast on and the riderless horse and the flyover and the 21-gun salute. And he wouldn't have wanted it for himself. He wouldn't feel like he deserved it, but he would have loved watching that. And uh, we lost our boy. We lost our son. And it's been really hard. We miss them still. People, people see Dawn and I running around traveling everywhere, and we don't even know that we want to do that, but we just know we got to stay busy. If we stop and think about it, we miss them so bad. Just terrible pain. We also knew we had two other children and uh, possibly grandchildren on the way, so you know we, we knew we had... We had things to live for, and we had to go on. And we knew that there's, right away, there was people that came to us and told us inspirational things that have happened because of Eric's death. You would never want your son to die so that someone else could have eternal life. But that's actually what happened with Eric's testimony. Not just a few weeks after his death, there was a state trooper from Western Kentucky. He sent a message to me, and he said, I want you to know because of Eric's influence that my mother and my son and I went forward today to be baptized in Christ, and it's because of Eric's witness. We've had people at this church that do that. And kind of going backwards, we even found out there's people in this church, and they're here because Eric asked them to come to this church. We didn't even know it. Eric was really quiet about his faith. He didn't, he didn't boast in it, but he told people about his faith. There was a dispatcher that told us how bold Eric was to come in, and he would have his Bible with him. And she said they would start comparing their favorite scriptures or verses they had read and what, that, what they had meant to them. And um, she said he was just a really big influence in her life.
and it's good to hear those things because as a parent you always want to know you've done what you're supposed to do and raised them the best you can we know that we've just been tremendously blessed uh, Eric's wreck was such impact that um, there was stuff thrown all over the car there was his campaign hat his trooper hat it was disfigured uh, but somehow some way God's way in his lap landed his testament book of John and it rested in his lap and we still have that and it has Eric's drops of blood that fell on that Bible and we're so proud that Eric was the type of person that had that Bible in his car but lots of good things have happened a lot of people have come to know Christ there's there's just lots of stories a couple show and tells I want to show you of course Eric was a graduate of Christian Academy and not long after that Corey Robinson really involved in a lot of this but uh, they did a fundraiser for a scholarship and they made a Christian Academy shirt but the neatest thing about this shirt is on the back of it it had words that Eric chose God first family second everyone is family and where that comes from is on Eric's desk at his duplex after he was killed his state trooper people they went and cleaned out his duplex and brought all this stuff home and when he they got to our house with that his lieutenant came up to me and handed me a legal tablet and a yellow piece of paper and he said this was on top of Eric's desk we believe it's something he wrote just in the last few weeks and it had lots of things on it he was kind of doodling find your purpose in life why are you here serve God first but it had a statement that really sticks with me and it says I will protect those that need protection serve those in need show compassion stand up to the bully be the best I can at everything never give less than my all my God is first family second and everyone is family and uh, that brings me back to the last Sunday Eric was here Father's Day it was 8:30 service and Eric said I really don't want to get up that early and uh, I said, well, son, we can go to the second service. I wasn't on the stage that Sunday. And Eric said, no, I want to go to the first service because that's when all of our family's there. And he's not only talking about the family of church, but that's when all of Dawn's family sits on that same row every Sunday. Family was important to him. So um, state police, there's been, um, there's been, there's actually people coming to this church because of, Eric's testimony and coming to the funeral and hearing Terry's words at the funeral about heaven's coming and how don't wait too late. Um, and another neat organization called Concerns of Police Survivors that we've got involved with. Uh, I gave one of the staff people a copy of that paper that Eric wrote. And they asked us if we could, um, if they would, we would allow them to make shirts Eric's saying, God first, family second, everyone is family. One story um, that I'll share is a good friend of Eric's came to the house one day. I think I can do this. Um, a good friend of Eric's came to the house one day, and he, he said he just wanted to hug me and tell me a little story. But... Um, 
he told me the story about Eric and him, but then he said, he said, if God had come down and told Eric that you needed him so that other people could be saved, that Eric would just say, let's go right now. He said, that's the type of person Eric was. He said, he would have gone that day if it would have meant other people coming to Christ. And that's just, that's one of my favorite things I've been told because it just, it just says a lot about his character. Um, he did, he did put others first. He cared about other people. And, uh, and just so many good things. And, and we know that, we know there's purpose through this all. When I would go to bed, cry myself to sleep, Dawn would roll over and she would say, God's got a plan. It's really hard to understand and hard to believe, and I don't think my mind would be capable of understanding this until we get to heaven. But there is a plan. I've always struggled with the fact I lost my dad at 57 years old, 19 years ago, but it just doesn't even compare to losing your son at 23. But we know through all of this that God does have a plan. And our hope is, is we're going to see him again. And that could be your hope too. We know that God's plan is for us to serve him, accept him as our Savior, and one day we'll be in heaven. And I don't know exactly how it's going to be. I know what I read and I know what Terry talks about, but I know some way, somehow, going to be a glorious place and there's not going to be pain and suffering and we're going to live in the presence of God and the presence of each other forever we just want to share that story it's it's our Friday you know Christ died on a Friday and he rose from the dead on Sunday it was a glorious day and we know that this was our Friday we hope we don't have another Friday like but we have the hope and the assurance that Sunday's coming. We're going to spend time in heaven with our Savior and with our family, and we'll be there forever. We know that heaven's coming. We know that we can be there in heaven with Eric and with my dad and with our grandparents and with all of you. And we're so thankful that God gives us every day, and every day we should give thanks, the bad days and the good days, and we should do all this. We should thank God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the good times and the bad times, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. We sing the song that I have this hope in the depths of my soul that through the flood or the fire that we serve a God that's with us and he's never going to let go of us. No matter what we're going to face, he's going to be there right beside us. That we can say with confidence that sometimes it feels like God's just slaying us. We're going to say, God, I'm still going to praise you. That though sometimes, God, it feels like you just keep taking and taking and taking and taking. God, I'm still going to bless your name. I don't know what I will face or you will face, but one day every tear will be worth it all.
You see, today is Palm Sunday. Jesus walks into the city. They are worshiping him. They're laying palm branches at his feet. They're, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But he knows what Friday holds. He knows the suffering to come. He still chooses to walk into that city because he knows what Friday will produce for us. He's got the end game in sight. He knows what it's going to produce for us. See, Jesus knows that it will take his Friday on a cross for us to get through our Fridays to know Sunday's coming. Let me say that again so that really sinks in. Jesus knew that it would take his Friday on a cross so that us in this room today could get through our Fridays in life to one day make it to this glorious Sunday that's called the resurrection. It says he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we can't skip our Fridays. Jesus couldn't say, hey, I want to go straight to that grave. I don't have to worry about how awful Calvary is going to be. It didn't work like that. And we don't get to say, hey, I want to skip the Fridays in my life and the rough parts and get, get straight to the good stuff. But thank goodness that through Jesus and through Christ in our lives, we can make it through ours. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, it says this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. And it says this, and they, were la and they will last for what? Forever. Let's say that. Forever. So many times we get caught up in the here and now, and I know our issues are big. To us they are. But God doesn't see our circumstances as we do. God sees our circumstances in light of eternity. And in the light of eternity, what we are going through now will be small. And Jesus saw that on Passion Week, that as horrible as the cross would be for eternity, it would be worth it. And many of you in this room that have faced suffering in your life, and Don and Randy, we start to see that slowly. It means that we have hope. It means that we can really believe the words like we have on the back of our shirts that heaven is coming. You see, it was Friday. God had just lost His Son. The disciples had just lost their Lord. His followers had lost their Savior. This man that they had left everything for. They had left houses and land and families and, and, and careers to follow Him. But what they didn't realize is that Sunday was coming. If it was just a normal Friday, yeah. To those disciples, they were pretty crazy to give up everything and follow this man and become fishers of men. It really wasn't a good idea. But in light of Sunday coming, I think they made the smartest decision in their life. And on this Friday, the sky turned dark. In Matthew 27, it says this, And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Hope is coming. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, it says this, that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. It's only Friday. Sunday is coming. And Revelation 21 says what that day will be like so much more. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them. I can't wait for that day, amen? And they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe away every, not some, every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, no more funerals, sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone what? What's it say? Forever. All these things are gone forever. No more car wrecks, no more death, no more sickness, no more brokenness, no more Fridays. Today, I don't know what your Friday looks like in your life. I don't know if it's filled with loss or death or suffering or bad health or worry or anxiety or money problems or work problems or home problems or children problems or marriage problems. I don't know what that looks like. But Scripture says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul that our hope is not in this world. But we have this hope that heaven is coming, that Sunday is coming soon. If we'll hang on and hold fast, God is molding us and preparing us. God is more concerned right now with our character than he is with our comfort. And we can't get to Sunday without going through our Fridays. Jesus couldn't and we can't. We want a Sunday without a Friday and it doesn't work that way. Jesus knew Friday was coming when he walked into the city, but he did it anyways. It says at any moment he could have called thousands upon thousands of angels to save him, but he didn't because he had us in mind. We all need a resurrection. Every one of us in this room need a Sunday in our life, a day that changes everything for us. So by faith, we walk through our Fridays, trusting that on just the other side of right now, what seems like suffering, it will be so worth it all. And our lives would have this response of blessed be the name of the Lord, because Sunday changes everything. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. Turn your eyes to the screen. Not that video. Wrong one. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Repeat. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilots struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's 
coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won. Sin has conquered, and Satan's just a-laughing. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Sunday changes everything. There's a lot of people out there following a lot of gods. There's a lot of men that claim they were the way, and there's a lot of Fridays that they lived and died. But there's only one man that went into Friday and came out on Sunday, and his name is Jesus. And the only way that any of us in this room are going to make it to Sunday one day and make it to a resurrection where we're never going to die, but we're going to live forever is if you've called on this man named Jesus and you've asked him to save you. And so I ask you that today. Do you know him? Do you really believe it's Friday, but Sunday is coming? Don and Randy do. 
That's their hope. There's a lot of people in this room that's been through a lot like that. And I know it's your hope too. Our hope is in a man named Jesus. And so today, maybe there's a lot of you in this room that are going through some Fridays and you've been trying to go through your Fridays on your own. You've been going through a lot of suffering and hard times and a lot of stuff in your life that you've really questioned God. Why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? And you've been trying to get through them on your own. And maybe today for the first time you need to give your Friday to the one who took Friday to Sunday and changed everything. And stop trying to take care of your Fridays on your own. And so today we're going to kind of do invitation a little bit different. There's a song called Glorious Unfolding. It's by Stephen Curtis Chapman. I don't know if you've heard it or not. If you listen to Christian Radio, you do. But he has a couple of phrases in this song and he says this. This is just the beginning of the beginning. This life is just the beginning of the beginning. So many times we think this is it. No, this is not it. We, we can't imagine forever. But this life is just the beginning of the beginning. And this is a glorious unfolding. God right now is writing your story. God right now is still in the process of writing your story into something glorious. He's a potter, we are the clay, and right now he's trying to mold you and make you, and some of us sometimes, we're really hard clay to mold, because we like to fight it. But God is trying to mold us and make us into what he wants us, and use whatever it takes to save us. There was a man named Tracy Briscoe, I'm sure you all remember, uh, a lot of you um, know him, died several years ago, passed away of cancer, and this is a song as I was thinking this week when we played it, that we played at his funeral. And he had just some rough bout just with cancer. And those last several months, this was a song that he was talking about, that God sometimes takes something that would be so awful and turns it into something so glorious. And we play the song at his funeral. And today, I think that's what God wants to do with every one of our lives. He wants to take the messed up parts and the stuff that we think is just crazy and the things that are spiraling out of control and he wants to turn your story into something glorious. He wants to use what you're going through for his good. Are you willing to say blessed be the name of the Lord today? God, whether you give or you take away today, we're going to honor your name. Because I realized that I came into this world with nothing and one day when I leave, I'm not going to take anything with me that I spend most of my time working for. But there's one thing that matters and that thing is a man named Jesus. And it matters if you know him and if your story is intersected with his story and if it has, then oh, when Sunday comes. Guys, it will be something so glorious that everything that you have suffered on this earth will seem so small on that day. So today, let's put our eyes on the prize on heaven as we have this time of invitation. You can just stay in your seats today. Just, uh, just examine your hearts. If today you need to come and, and say, hey, I've been trying to get through my Fridays on my own, and I want to give them to him, maybe that's time to come. Maybe it's just a time to pray and just examine where you are in your life. And is Sunday coming for you? I pray it is for all of us um, as we have this time of invitation now.